I see some news. It's a sporty, sporty news, Aaron. Yeah. So we know how uh, this year, well, the Euros are on, but also supposedly the Tokyo Games are meant to take place at some point. Mm. And already there are COVID cases among the foreign teams. Now, I foresee, you know, there's they're coming from a bunch of different places, a bunch of different countries. Like for sure, there's going to be teams absolutely wiped out by COVID or like just, you know, they can't trans- travel because of this. Do you think, do you think there's going to be like a, a shutdown of sports and like, especially in the Olympics, do you think it's actually going to take place? Like, what, how do you think it's going to pan out? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to catch uh, a COVID variant that's been through the body of what is in essence a super soldier in an Olympic athlete. Um, so, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I don't think my immune system can hack that. So I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's very, a very good idea at the moment, if I'm being honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know we've got the football Eurozone, so people must be thinking, well, if you can do that, then you can do this. Yeah, but even Euros is kind of limited because it's only football, right? But in the Olympics, you have a team for football, you have a team for... Like, there's a team for everything in in every country in the world, literally. All coming together. You can imagine mm-hmm. the amount of people that live, and you know, are living in the Olympic Village as well. Can you imagine? The Olympic Village is built for just athletes to live in. I mean, it just seems like an incubator for viruses. Already they're finding cases. You know, what, what happens if, I don't know, for example, like Usain Bolt, I know he's probably not competing this year, but, you know, if a big star ends up catching the COVID and, you know, obviously he can't compete anymore, does it just nullify the Olympics? Who's going to watch it? It's just going to be sports day, but like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Something that no one really cares about. Yeah, so. sports day on on drugs at the moment. Uh, I agree with you. I do think, like, it would be, it would be a, a bigger loss for the game in the long time in the long term, like for mm. sports, if, as you said, someone who is potentially like a record-breaking supreme athlete ends up catching COVID and has long COVID, because we've seen that, you know, healthy and otherwise very fit people can have a bad case of COVID and it can affect them in the long term. Uh, and so it would be bad for just sports, generally speaking, if major, major stars got it. But then obviously, as you put it, there's multiple teams for every type of sport. So it's a huge gathering of people from different parts of the world. So beyond obviously what will happen to just the athletes, but then also to the fans of, you know, these people who will then fly back to their countries and then potentially give out these different variants of the the virus. It's obviously not going to be great news, is it? But I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit on the fence. I am a bit tired of everything being shut down all the time and mm. so on, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it should be canceled. If I'm being honest with you, that is probably the safe route to take, but is it the route that people would be, wanting to or willing to do i don't know about that mm-hmm. i mean i think they're not having uh, uh correct me if i'm wrong but they're not having people to actually watch the games um i would assume it would be limited capacity yeah at least yeah yeah I, I, the thing is i don't really know what the rules are in japan at the moment if it's being held in japan it'll be in accordance to whatever their local rules are but exactly i'm yeah. not too sure i mean i know over here we allow some limited acceptance into into stadiums i know in hungary if you've been watching the Euros, mm. uh, you know, any match that's been played in Hungary it has pretty much a packed out stadium. So, Right, right, right. I see. So well, I it, it'll, it'll depend yeah. specifically on Japan, yeah. I mean, I'm reading an article and it seems like the Olympic Charter, so like the governing body, is kind of forcing Japan to do it. This is off the BBC. So it kind of stipulates in the contract that they need to basically complete it 
Um, I guess they will lose a lot of money if they don't, um, which is kind of unfair given the you know the extreme circumstance. I mean, this is an article on yeah, the BBC. I, a I hope a lot of um, yeah. these sporting organisations have really shown their ass because actually what's happening now is that the final for you, the Euro 2020 competition, which was supposed to be held in Wembley, might get moved elsewhere. And the reason for that is because UEFA is saying that they, or, or FIFA, or whichever one is the organisation, is saying that mm. you have to allow our VIPs and dignitaries into the country to watch the final. But obviously, there's certain protocols in place and they currently wouldn't be allowed to, you know, just fly into England and watch the match that many people within the stadium. Because I think they're talking about a couple hundred people to turn up. Um, And so really right now, what's going to end up happening is they're pressuring the UK government to make an acceptance for themselves, which they wouldn't Mm. have made for one of their citizens. Exactly. To be able to watch this match or it's not going to be in Wembley, which will then cause... You know, we're obviously expecting a great deal of income from the match being played here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, so you lose that yeah. income, you lose the, you know, the, just the beer sales. Do you know what I mean? Imagine when a big that, match yeah. like that happens in 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 a, in a place like Wembley. So, you know, a lot of these sporting organisations have really shown, as I said, their ass and really put people into you know these predicaments, which isn't very good. So I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I can what read. The best thing would be, yeah. I'm on. reading from the article, and there was a sport. They basically interviewed a sports lawyer on the contract itself because it's it's basically public. And uh, what he says is that basically the Olympics being the biggest sporting event on the calendar at this moment, there's billions at stake for Japan and the IOC, which is the Olympic Committee, in terms of broadcasting and sponsorship. <laughs> and therefore, due to the huge event, there are huge contractual obligation for all sides. It's kind of sickening, isn't it? That Mm. That, that the host country like the the president etc is speaking about you know they're really not sure about continuing but they're being prodded on by you know coca-cola or whoever the sponsorship money is coming from yeah i think um you know what let's look at this from the angle of if you're an athlete that has spent four years training now it's been five you're aging you're not going to be at your physical peak let's say if your peak mm. years are you know i think like every athlete might have like i don't know five years where they do peak performance if yeah, that i might be being that, generous yeah. do you know what i mean so you gotta think of it from the perspective of the athlete as well they'd obviously want it to be going forward fans want it to go forward sure but at the end of the day it's the responsibility of a government to do what's right not what's what people want and mm. if they were to just overlook a health concern that in the long term could keep us locked down for even longer which is currently what's happening i mean we were supposed to be free you know, we're recording this on the 20th. We were supposed to be free on the 21st. Yeah. But now that's been delayed till July 19th. And, you know, if this is going to cause, if them holding this is going to cause another wave, then really the government has to go by what's right in terms of public safety, more so than, you know, what organizers and contract contractual ab- obligations say they, they do. But surely, I mean, I don't know what the contract is. I haven't read it. But surely there should be like a special clause in there where if if like a you yeah, know an event so. like this occurs, like no one could have predicted this, then you know it can be cancelled without the money being lost. But I don't know, I don't know how it works. Yeah, it, it does say that they are, they have ins- the IOC, so the Olympic Committee have specific insurers that ensure for this kind of stuff, and they will possibly get a payout. But um, what's interesting actually, which I didn't think about, is that the Winter Olympics, the next Winter Olympics, is held by China in Beijing. And you know mm. how Japan and China have a big rivalry already. Yeah. It'll be pretty bad 
you know, politically, if Japan failed to hold the Olympics and then China successfully holds the Beijing Olympics. Um, so that could be a, a factor in, in the government's mind, which is interesting. It shows how like, everything's just interconnected. Something as simple as the Olympics, you know, shot put or whatever, mm. you know, trickles down to politics. Um, but yeah, what do you think about that? Like the whole China thing? And See, this this is why uh, we've said it on this podcast before, but I'll just reiterate it, that like when people say, oh no, don't bring politics into sports. Sports are very political. They're very political, especially international tournaments where people are representing their countries. It's massively yeah. political. And so, as you said, like, you know, we're talking about public safety and all of this, but then A, there's the money involved and B, there's like the the uh, prestige and the, the country's kind of honor on the line uh, with regards to even being able to hold like an Olympic competition, for example. So it, I don't know, it kind of trivializes in my eyes the kind of importance of trying to keep these different variants from po- popping up when you say st- when it's kind of like, oh, well, if we don't hold it, then we're going to look silly to China. But mm. that's the reality of the situation. That's just how it looks, isn't it? Um, yeah, exactly. I don't know though, man. I, I I'm I'm really on the fence. I really I don't like to be on the fence. Usually, I like to pick a pick a you know a, a way to go about things. But in this, I really can't make my mind up because you know, I, on one side, I'm like, well, we've got vaccines now, and especially like you know, if you're from countries where the majority have been vaccinated, and mm-hmm. your athletes have been vaccinated, at the very least, if the athletes traveling there have been vaccinated, then really, is there that much of a risk? I think it's limited. I I think we live in a world now where there's going to be a risk. It's just about managing. Yeah, I, I so. feel as though this is kind of like with. I can imagine what this would have been like with the flu, mm. right? When the, when the flu initially came out, I'm sure you know, it, as it has done for the past however many years, it kills you know thousands, if not millions, a year. And um, I feel like over the years, we've come to kind of accept that okay, there's different variances of the flu, and if you're older and you're in a situation where you know you you, you might be more susceptible. Uh, then yeah, you will you will potentially have some very you know difficult complications, but it, that is what it is. And I feel like with COVID, I know that COVID is you know I can tell you this is much more serious than the flu. Mm-hmm. But uh, the reality of the situation is, I don't think because of the way it was mishandled in the beginning, I don't think we're ever going to be able to completely get rid of COVID. And much like the flu is always going to be around, and there's right. always going to be different variants that come up, which may or may not be covered by the current set of vaccines that we have. And I do think we're going to kind of end up having a COVID jab on a yearly basis like we do with the flu. Now, I'm not Mm. saying this from a place of, oh, I'm educated in virology or this and that. I'm just looking at trends of the past and the current, you know, type of uh, treatments that we have. I'm just extrapolating that potentially this is the direction that we'll go. We'll go to a yearly kind of almost a flu jab type situation which covers us for COVID. And people will catch it every year. And it's unfortunate, but we've seen how many variants there are of this virus already. It's impractical to like yeah. be protected against all of them. And I guess as they vary as well, they might have different effects. It might not be the same COVID that we're talking about back in 2019 or 2020. It might be a totally different thing. Yeah, Possibly exactly. less so dangerous or whatever. Yeah, we've got like the... We, we have the Delta variant now, which um, you know is the reason why we got Freedom Day delayed. And, uh, you know, they, I think they're called the British variant, the Alpha. And then, you know, um, now that, that one's called the Delta variant. And there was like mm. an Omega variant and whatever. So they've switched over from naming it after individual countries to naming it after, I guess, where along the chain it appeared. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as you said, like the virus that started this off, 
is not necessarily the virus that is currently in circulation. So it's, in my opinion, it's just going to be a case of where it keeps, it, we keep finding variants and people continually catch it. It's just a matter of, you know, is the uh, majority of the population covered for it? Uh, and as time goes by and as more research is done, I'm sure we'll find, you know, easier and easier ways to overcome it. Mm. Well, that's interesting. Right. Okay. Maybe we can move on to a different topic. So there's the, the overlord and, uh, I like to call him Lex Luthor, Jeffrey Bezos. Jeffrey um, Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> so he, we all know that he's uh, going home, uh, back back to space, as he's rightfully an alien. Um, no kidding. But there was a spare ticket that was meant to be bidded, and someone actually paid twenty eight million to go on <laughs> to go on a trip to space with Jeffrey Bezos. Like, if you have that kind of money. I don't know, man. It, it makes me think about human race. Like, you have that kind of money, surely help someone out. Like, this is going to be a nothing flight. Do you know what I mean? You're just going to go into space and then come back and be like, yeah, I did can, it. Yeah, can you explain to me? Because we did talk about this on the bonus episode. Like, we spent like 20 minutes talking about it. We but we were really just taking the piss because I wasn't even entirely sure if he was actually going to do it. But um, I didn't know that he had actually auctioned off a ticket. Uh, mm. Can you explain? Is he actually going to go to the moon, or is this just going into like the atmosphere and then coming back down? Or you know, what what is the plan here? What, yeah, what does he so mean by going into space? The plan is first. Right, I can redo the the plan. So capsule and booster takes off vertically. Obviously, it separates around two hundred fifty thousand feet. So yeah, that's not to the moon, and we'll continue around uh, 350,000 feet, which is again not to the moon. So they're just going into space technically, like. Uh, I don't know if they exit in orbit. I forgot what the distance is, but just, you know, just outside of the earth and then returning back down, um, which is like, okay, well, I mean, I guess you'll see the earth and you'll see space. Wasn't uh, Richard Branson saying he was going to do like a hundred thousand pound flights to, to basically do that same thing. So, I mean, whoever paid 28 million, this is the thing, man. Like, again, I don't want you to put the Soviet music in the background here when I say this, but like, you know, rich people are holding wealth to an extent which I, I just can't believe at this point. 28 million for that. Are you serious? Do you know how much money 28 million is? Do you know how many lives could have been saved? How many people could have been fed? It's, you, a bit like, mad, yeah. it's insane. And you're doing that for what? To fly up there with Jeffrey Bezos? Like, that sounds like a, the start of a horror movie. You know, you're up in space <laughs> with a guy who's cosplaying Lex Luthor. And I mean, I'm just like, really? You're paying 28 million for that? To be in, mm. a, in like a confined space in the vacuum of space with Jeffrey Bezos. I mean, that's... I mean, I like, I'd like. i like to go to space one time, but like... Yeah, but would you pay you 28 mean, million? Like, I, mean, I guess he's money. got it. <laughs> I'd rather but, go on stealth, do you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It, it, it does make me sad if you think yeah, about like it. Yeah, like 28 million, man. 28 million. How many orphanages can you open up? Bro, you know come I mean? on, man. How many How many people's tuition fees can be paid? How many? How many... You know, life-saving medications exactly. can be bought for that kind of money, yeah. and this is what this is what I mean. If if you're looking at that, and you're not incensed even a little bit. It doesn't matter how much you like the taste of boot. Do you understand? Like, surely at some point you got to lift your head up and say, you know what, I'm not licking this boot any longer because 28 million, really? Like, and I know that's pennies for that person. I know that that person didn't light work, light work. Yeah, that's light work. Whoever bought it is probably like a you know multi hundred millionaire or if not a billionaire already. Do you know what I mean? So, I that that kind of makes me sick. I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes I, me I, sick. I mean, I was gonna go on the whole fun side of it. Oh, he's an alien and whatnot. But like, 
yeah for thinking about the reality of it it's pretty messed up if you really think about it like you said it can be spent to save lives literally and it, like you said this is again is pennies to this person hopefully hopefully someone's smart enough to you know budget their own thing you know if it's pennies to this person like Again, it's about how, how much wealth are you hoarding for you to yeah. be able to say, oh, 28 million is pennies for this person when we've got like half the country starving to death at the moment. Do you know what I mean? It's it's mm. it's very insane. And, you know, on top of that, it's like if they were going up there for some sort of scientific endeavor, as in like, you know, he Jeffrey uh, Bezos was going to uh, go and, I don't know, do something, some sort of experiment up there that could in the long term help out you know, with, with the advancement of the technology that we currently have, like, you know, the initial reason as to why we went into space was to do experiments, to, you know, figure things out, which today help us with our technology today. So we weren't just sending astronauts up there for the sake of it. You know, there was a lot Mm. of knowledge that we gained from going up there. So if this was some sort of scientific endeavor to an extent, I'd be like, all right, I guess, you know, whatever, but it's like, it's just a vanity thing for me at this point. Like for him to pay 20, whoever that person is to pay 28 million, it just seems like it's just a vanity thing. It's like a bro. Like, like what is yeah. it? I don't know. I don't know. But what's interesting as well is that Virgin, uh, you know, Richard Branson's uh, Virgin, um, it, I think Galactic, I think they call it, has basically pledged to fly earlier than than um, Bezos's uh, date, which is pretty funny. So so Bezos has basically triggered a a race for which CEO goes to space first. Um. It seems like uh, Elon Musk is pretty quiet. He doesn't give a shit, really. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, go on, whatever. I you mean, I guess, I guess for him, going up into space isn't that big of a deal because he's like, didn't he just like rocky out a Tesla into space at one point? Yeah, I think he did something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, again, you can see, like, for them, it's just the toys game. But like, this is millions of pounds worth of, you know, like money going into this. But for them, it's just like a game. Do you know what I mean? Where they're playing a game with one another. Like, oh, who can go there first? And given mm. everything in the world, I'm just like, it just blows my mind. I, I'm sorry. I just can't. Like, as I much get, as I, I like to I get the joke competition. around. I get the competition because like when, when companies or countries look to hire, you know, the best, they're going to look at that and be like, no, I mean, they, of they course, don't really know about space this stuff, isn't so. this isn't just the case of like, oh, who can run faster, me or you? Like, I, I understand there's like long term implications of whoever gets there first is going to kind of prove that, oh, yeah, we can do this and we can do it better than X, Y, Z, you know, in less time. So hire us in the future for your private, you know, space needs, whatever. I get all of that. But nonetheless, I just look at it and I'm like, really? You know, these are people who mm. who are billionaires. Richard Branson, who's trying to buy off our NHS at the moment, like you, they just—they're not good people. These aren't your friends, like Elon Musk, uh, Jeffrey Bezos, Richard Branson. These are not your friends. These are not your buddies. Like, and this just really perfectly encapsulates exactly what I mean. Mm. So you know, I—I I would like to make a joke about Jeffrey Bezos being a lizard and an alien, like we did on the bonus episode, <laughs> but. It, I don't know. I just don't feel like uh, you know. I'm not really in the mood yeah, for it. Kind of put a downer to it. Sorry about that. But I, I guess yeah. we can pivot a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's some news in the UK. Uh, basically, uh, so I'll read the article. The uh, UK uh, public sector will be able to invest in new private space firms through a uh, capitals fund, which was previously kind of stu- uh, shut. I guess they considered it military or whatever. Um, uh, this new space industry is worth around 14.8 billion now a year and um they're looking to basically grow it make it public 
kind of follow what America's been doing with SpaceX and whatnot um, and grow it in the UK. So it, it's, it's interesting. It seems like, you know, the space race is now reached over here and I, I know France is doing its stuff as well. And they're really looking to push push for, you know, advancements in, in that in that region or that's, that science technology region. Um, not sure why. There's probably going to be a war in some point. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, that's, yeah. a, that's worrying. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Would you invest? Would you invest in like space stuff? Could this be the new Bitcoin, you know, new I, phenomenon? I think it's inevitable, man. Like uh, what, the, what the kind of cryptocurrency thing done was it really made sure that like an entire generation is kind of invested in investing. So they're always going to be looking for the next big thing. And if this is packaged in the right way, and a few people come out, a few celebrities or whatever. Hey, fam, you know what? Even if Elon Musk comes out and says, yeah, you know, we've seen that, what kind of effect he's had on cryptocurrency. If he comes out and says like, yeah, go put your money into space exploration, like buy stocks in this, do that, do this. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I, I do reckon, yeah, that could be the next cryptocurrency, really. You know, putting your money into, you know, putting money into stocks is a thing that has been happening for fucking hundreds of years at this point. You know what I mean? In different variations anyway. Uh, and yeah, I think maybe people, now that the cryptocurrency phase has kind of fizzled out a little bit, they might move into more traditional investments in, in stocks. And if you can invest in stocks for a, you know, a space company, I don't see why not. I think people will actually will actually do that. Our financial expert has spoken. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thank you. Guys, thank you. Do- By the way, can I say, <laughs> can I say something <laughs> real quick? You know how we said that Turkey would win the, um, well, oh. well, not win it, but they'll be the dark horses of the Euros. They've just got zero points and have the worst goal difference in the entire competition. So don't take our advice on anything because <laughs> clearly we're not we're not experts. Uh, so if you bet any money on uh, Turkey, we're, we apologize, but it is what it is. Next year, next year. <laughs> next year. We'll get it right next year in the World Cup. But uh, yeah, this is an interesting one. I mean, I'm, I ain't humble by with the Turkey thing, but if we keep on the space stuff, yeah, it's um, it's something that to look at in the future, see how it develops. Um, there's quite a few now satellite companies and space companies in the UK. One called mm-hmm. NanoSat, which kind of launches like miniature satellites, which is pretty impressive. Um, I think it's London-based as well. So in- interesting industry. Let's see what happens. And let's see how this really like fits in with global policy. And, you know, you can't separate this with politics, to be honest. So l- let's see what Russia does, what China does as well. That's really important. Um, we've covered the space station that they've launched in the future that they won't share, which is really... <laughs> We're kind of worrying, to be honest. But yeah, um, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Just, just keep away from space, guys. Yeah, no, man. I think, I think, uh, you know, going to space it, it started off as like a kind of can we do it sort of endeavor, and then once mm-hmm. we saw that, oh, we can actually, you know, go up there. It's now, you know, the long arm of capitalism has gotten involved, and obviously now there's private corporation. Where before it was like a state funded thing. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that is the trajectory of it. And we have we have discussed this before as well, quite extensively, where, you know, again, what what is going to be the laws regarding space? Where can you go in space? How can you get there? Who do you pay? And, uh, yeah, we're seeing all of that happen in real time. I don't think in our, in our time, Steve, we'll see our, us going to other galaxies and doing space exploration like Star it. Trek. I doubt it. But, you know, eventually at some point, humanity will reach that phase. And when they do, maybe Jeff Bezos will be, you know, unfrozen from his cryogenic chamber and he will be the supreme overlord of that that expansion. We don't know, right? Exactly. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see how things are developing. 
we'll keep an eye on it. And if there's any kind of um, update with regards to that, then of course we'll discuss it on the podcast. We are quite interested in space exploration here. So exactly. Um, yeah. Should we keep on the Jeff Bezos vibe? So yeah, um, he's been busy, this little boy, this little <laughs> Lex Luthor boy. Uh, yeah. You know, taking over the world is not easy. So um, he's basically back to, back to firm in the UK mm-hmm. to build a fusion plant uh, near Oxford. Okay. Now, if you just to give our listeners a, a background of what fusion is, it's basically a way of creating nuclear energy um, by combining atoms um, or at- subatomic particles and causes them that causes them to basically create energy. Now, what we have at the moment when it comes to nuclear reactions, we have a chain reaction kind of thing where we shoot a ball of, uh, I think it's a proton or a neutron, an atom. That ball hits the atom, the atom breaks shoots more balls and the balls hit other atoms and so so on and so forth it causes a huge chain reaction that produces a lot of energy but the issue with fission is that it's very dangerous you can imagine if as soon as it starts you can't really stop it where with fusion um if it, if the, any of the conditions are broken for example the atom hits the wall or the container the entire process is stopped it's nullified which is basically safer now I'm up for this. Uh, I think recently they made it profitable before they were able to do it, but it wasn't necessarily profitable to make energy that way. I think there was a breakthrough recently that just about made it profitable. And I'm, I'm happy to see Bezos uh, investing in Oxfordshire, to be honest. It's a bit weird that he chose the UK. You know, he could have done one in America or whatnot. Um, maybe he's got, you know, the, uh, the government's got his ears or whatever. But um I don't know. I'm pretty happy with this, and let's see how it goes. So, but... so in terms of fission, yeah, is this? I don't know why, but when you said that, I kind of thought of the Chernobyl TV series. I feel like they were talking about fission in there. Is that yes. kind of used in nuclear power plants and stuff? So that's the the chain reaction one. The chain that's reaction the one older is called version, fission. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're obviously, talking... when that goes wrong, you're talking Chernobyl level stuff, right? Chernobyl level. Uh, the one in Japan as well is uh, you Fukushima cannot stop or it. Something? Fukushima. Yeah. yeah. You can't stop a chain reaction once it okay. begins you're you're screwed you have to just uh, evacuate but okay. with fusion it's the it's so it took us so long to figure it out because the conditions are so specific and as soon as one of the conditions are broken the whole process stops which is if you think about it perfect if you figure it out because it means if anything goes wrong it, it doesn't just go out and explode it just stops working like you know which mm. is really safe for people and it's clean it's cleaner than um um fission i believe because fission produces a waste uh, like nuclear waste the leftover kind of stuff do you so. know what i've i again i'm theorizing here i don't mm. actually know I, this is just me theorizing i'm not saying this is the case but you know how you were saying i wonder why he invested in oxford and maybe not in america now from what i know or kind of know uh, or glean from america is that there's a lot of states, particularly, you know, down south, like Texas, for example. I know Texas had recently, they had like an issue where we talked about it, where, you know, all their generators mm-hmm. and stuff went down and they lost their all their power. Um, I feel like they use more traditional forms of, you know, energy production, Definitely, including yeah. fission. And I can assume that it probably wouldn't be in Jeffrey Bezos' best uh, interest mm. to go against any of those companies that are currently working within America. Mm, uh, and so I would assume that that's probably why he invested in in England rather than in America. I think over here, um, a we're, we're becoming slowly becoming a tax haven for companies anyway. 
I think mm. our our tax rates are lower than anyone else in Europe. Um, and so I think that's probably why he, he has not invested in America. I could be wrong. I, I again, think, this I is think, just me theorizing. I think you're along the right lines. I mean, for America, because they have, you know, they have internal and they, they don't import energy. I think America has, provides its own energy. Whereas in the UK, we buy energy from the Middle East. We buy energy from Russia. You know, we import energy at this point. We don't... We, there's only so many wind turbines you can put by, by the coast uh, for the UK. Um, so we'll, is, is, it makes sense for the UK to build a you know, self-reliant fusion uh, reactor mm-hmm. that, that can help us power. But in the US, it doesn't. If you already have energy, I mean, I know it's not as clean, but that's, let's, let's put that to the side. In terms of business and money, it doesn't make sense for you then to put a huge investment. Um, that's actually really interesting. This is quite a big news, actually, when you think about it, because if if what you're saying, you know, from what you're saying, what I understand is that if if Jeffrey Bezos, Big Daddy Bezos, he comes through and he invests in this, you know, fusion generator, and then the UK is able to produce its own power, and therefore we don't have to get it from abroad, doesn't that cut like our reliance on other countries by quite is, a bit in terms of like, yeah. if I recall correctly, correct me if I'm wrong here. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there like an issue with an agent or something getting poisoned by Russia? And then uh, England decided that they were going to put, you know, Britain decided they were going to put some sort of sanction on Russia. And then Russia said, all right, cool. If you do that, then we'll cut off the pipeline for XYZ energy thing. Exactly. Something to do with that. So we were basically yeah, yeah. held hostage by the Russians at one point. They've done that so many point times. So that, that was the one time, but many times in the past where UK wanted to pipe up or parts of Europe wanted to say something about Russia. Russia basically uh, raised the prices of fuel and then the prices mm. in the countries were insane and people couldn't afford it. So they had to retract statements and whatnot. And it's for me, and this is big. I mean, I mean, for me, like there's a, I have a little conspiracy, a little bit of a, you know, this is my own opinion, but I think although green energy does make sense, I think the biggest driver for having, you know, the push for green energy and especially in Europe, is to remove the self-reliance of Russia and of the Middle East. Because the moment they can capitalize on their own energy as much as they can, the, the less of a political hold Russia Whoa. has, etc. Whoa, Steve, you mean to tell me that the government doesn't care about plants and trees and they have ulterior motives? No way! <laughs> oh my God, buddy! <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, no, no, I think, I don't even think that's a conspiracy. I think that you're pretty much spot on. I mean, again, we don't know. We're just theorizing. We're just, this is literally on the fly. We're discussing this, mm-hmm. but I, I do think that, that, I don't think that's a conspiracy theory. I think that's, that, you know, the reason why they're probably investing in that sort of thing. But what does it mean if Jeffrey Bezos invests in it? So do we then become reliant on Jeffrey Bezos or is this, he, he's just investing in a company. Uh, he has shares in it, but he can't necessarily control it. Like, do we know any of that information? So, yeah, there's no specifics, but that's a really good point. And I I hope the UK government, you know, and the MI5, please, you guys in Cheltenham, please have the brains to not, to not don't allow him to have us in a headlock. Yeah, don't just hand over the keys. Do you know what I mean? But the thing is, we've seen in the past, this, especially this current government, which has been in power for the last, mm. like, God, I feel like, God, 20 years or something. Do you know what I mean? They've been in power forever. Um, they, they I, I don't think they've been that kind of harsh on any kind of, company and their investments and stuff they've been quite lax with it so i would like to kind of see what happens do we then become more reliant on jeffrey bezos and as an extension of jeffrey bezos america Mm. or or is this you know is this like independent of all of that so the company is going to be up and running anyway he's just bought stocks in it i I mean i would like to know that going forward but i don't don't know know. for me the way you've described it 
that seems like a very logical next step for scientists, not for Jeffrey Bezos in, per se, but for just the people of science who are within the energy Definitely. sector to be pushing forward, in, especially in the UK. Me personally, um, I think fusion is totally the future. I mean, you know, we can do our best with uh, uh, traditional renewable energy, if you want to call it that way, with like wind turbines and whatnot. But I, I don't think the the amount of output compared to the amount of material you need to put in, it's not necessarily that sustainable. And I don't think it's it's actually sustainable in a way where, you know, we can rely on it in the future with a growing population and whatnot. But fusion, I mean, fusion is a process. It, this is how the sun creates its energy, by the way. The sun basically is a huge mass mm. in, the, in the core that pushes all the atoms together, hence fusing them. And that gives out a lot of energy. But again, it's a very specific condition. It's very safe. We won't get a Fukushima. We And it's hopefully in the future, if it's profitable, we don't need to rely on other people. It just makes sense. It's clean. I think the only... Steve, are you being paid by a fusion reactor company? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't want to speak. I don't want to speak, but do you know what I mean? Like, You're doing you great guys, PR for it at the moment. We're getting paid very, very, very handsomely, actually. Um, Yo, break me a piece, bro. Because you're, you know, I mean, as our, you know what? Okay, as our resident engineer, yeah, I want to ask you a few questions with regards to energy. Okay, mm. so it's my understanding that the amount of energy you can produce kind of is what determines how far along you can get in terms of technological advancements. Like, even if you could theoretically make something, we just simply do not have the energy at the moment to be able to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, times. basically, isn't the the so investment in stuff like fusion, et cetera, doesn't that just increase the potential for us to, I don't know, build like, a, we've talked about on this podcast for the Dyson sphere, for example. Mm-hmm. I know that's like, you know, maybe yeah. thousands of years ahead, but you know, what we're currently capped at from my understanding is our inability to produce enough power or energy to, to create these massive theoretical scientific advancements? Is it not the cap of energy that is causing that? I think 100% energy is a big driver of how we approach technology. Um, within Even if you look at vehicles at the moment, you know, with Teslas, you know, they, they unlocked new energy technology. So therefore they unlocked, you know, crazy technology in terms of vehicles. Um, and, that, and for me, that battery technology isn't a big jump, but a jump like fusion will totally change the game. It's a, it's a total game changer. Infrastructure has to change. I mean, just look at your houses. You know, you have the chimneys. I mean, why do we have chimneys? Obviously, people were burning coal and not too long ago. You don't even touch that stuff anymore. You don't even care about it. You just switch, a, you know, just flick a button and off you go. Where back in the days, they had to shovel it all and carry it and whatnot. Um, and this yeah. is a smaller jump. Now, imagine what Fusion would do. And again, like you said, when it comes to space travel, if they're able to miniaturize this technology, you know, have fusion reactors in cars, F1 would be insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> F1 would be crazy, man. It, it's just do, makes do sense. Do you think, do you think though, that, that it would kind of push for an evolution in human beings? Now, I'm going to attract it. I'm going to attach that, mm. attach a different kind of angle to this here. So as you, you know, when you said like the whole F1 Formula One thing, yeah? yeah? Yeah. The first thing that came to my mind is, let's say you did have a car, a Formula One car with a mini fusion reactor within it. And you're talking, it can go ridiculous speeds. Mm-hmm. Surely after a point, the human body wouldn't be able to withstand it. So then you've got two options, right? You either have a robotic uh, driver. So it's like yeah. a non-human, you know, operating the vehicle. Or the human being has to be able to withstand it. Mm. Is that not a kind of like pressure being put it onto is. the population to kind of cause a mini evolution there? I mean, it's already happening. If you think about it with military aircrafts you know, you know mm. they're, they're going at incredible speeds 
Mm. And they've reached a point re- like where, you know, a human being just can't handle it anymore. Now, do you just concede that it will just be an AI or it'll be a remote, you know, like drones? You know, there's people in the military, their whole career is sat behind a TV screen flying a drone. Yeah, they use like Xbox controllers. Yeah, well, Xbox right? controllers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because and if if you think about it in the future, it makes sense. If you can get a fighter jet that can go three times the speed, if you just remove a human being, just put him at the end of a TV screen. I mean, this is the kind of evolution I think will happen in the future where a lot of things will be done remotely. I mean, we've lived it. You know, during from COVID. Home. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It makes me depressed now when I said that. But like, I can totally see that where it's just kind of all, either automated or remotely worked just because of, uh, you know, human limitation. I mean, so people. Do you think yeah. future space exploration will not be done by humans, but will be done by artificial robots that we have either downloaded our consciousness into or we control from, you know, a separate station somewhere else? Mm. And yeah. we, we kind of operate the robots in that way. I think we'll, yeah, there's no way we're going to send human beings like across, you know, you, you could send a robot for mm. uh, that, like that plans to land in a far distant planet in a thousand years and you yeah. send it off, but you know, it will get there and it will do its mission. Mm. But a human being, you, you like it, it, just a lifespan. It doesn't make sense. It, it won't get no, there. No, but what I mean is in, in terms, in terms of if you could create a spaceship, that had mm. I don't know a, a fusion fusion reactor on it or whatever reactor on it, which mm. could allow it to go at tremendous speeds. Mm. Obviously, the human body wouldn't be able to withstand that speed. Mm-mm. So, how would you? I mean, would you be able to send a human being in a theoretical? We're talking theoretical here. But Theoretically, like, I think it doesn't make sense to send a human being. I think it makes more sense to send a robot that is well equipped because a mm. robot doesn't need to breathe. A robot doesn't. You know, you you might reach the planet. And then you realize a human being can't step on it because of X, Y, Z. Whereas yeah. a robot can adapt. It's, it's more durable. Um, but and also you, you can automate it. You can automate the robots to yeah. go off by themselves, set up the missions by themselves, travel between planets and just, uh, you know, uh, communicate our results every like five years. And yeah, again, imagine again, the amount. Again, again. Of, yeah. Theoretically though, theoretically, mm. let's say you send the robots off first. Okay. Uh, mm. Let's pick a planet here. Let's say Pluto, right? Yeah. So I guess it's not even a planet it's anymore, not, but whatever. Yeah, uh, so you send them off to Pluto. They go onto Pluto. They do their preliminary checks. They set up their little stations and they say, okay, right now it's safe for a human being to get here. My question is, like, for example, when you're traveling on a plane, right? Again, mm-hmm. I'm not an engineer. You're the engineer. So I'm just asking you because I think you might know. So I, on a plane, obviously the plane goes at a tremendous speed, right? But for yeah. us sitting in the plane, it doesn't feel like it's going that fast. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I would assume that, for example, an astronaut who's on a you know, a rocket ship, they obviously have to sit in that thing that turns around really fast, right? To get their body used to the G-force or whatever it is that when the when the rocket's going up into space. Yeah, yeah. So let's say you were to create a, a, a highway sort of thing from yeah. here to Pluto and you've got these spaceships that can go incredibly fast, literally within five minutes, you go from Earth to Pluto. Mm. Do you think the G-force or whatever it's called the gravita- yeah. gravitational pull or whatever it's called, or, you know, even I mean, uh, just, just the sheer speed, do you think yeah. the human body would be able to withstand it? Or would it would it be like being on a plane where everything feels slow, but outside of the ship is mad fast? So so what G-force is, just to break it down, the G-force is just acceleration. It's a change of speed. It's mm. going from that zero to 50 miles per hour. How quickly okay. are you going to go there, right? You feel it in a car. You know, you, you put your foot straight on a brake and you're deceler- decelerating really quick. There's a force pulling you. Do, yeah. do you see what I mean? So if 
if it's going at a constant speed, you have no idea. You could go at a billion miles per hour. You know, the Earth rotates at an insane rate and we have no idea. And why do uh-huh. we have no idea? Because it's not slowing down and it's not speeding up. But the moment it slows okay. down or speeds up, that's when we feel it. Now, obviously, in the case of the spaceship thing, it's going to have to somehow get to that speed, right? That reaches it in five seconds. And I think that's, yeah, that is not going to oh, be... Oh, so th- those five seconds thing. where it goes from zero to quadrillion miles per hour, if you can survive that, you can survive the actual journey itself. And But then it's a deceleration and acceleration that the human body currently cannot withstand. Exactly, yeah. That's, that's mm. basically it. And it's to, like with the technology you're talking about where you get to Pluto in like 10 minutes, there's no way. I don't see it happening. This is what I was talking about in terms of like evolution. Like, mm. do you think that it will be like a bottleneck sort of scenario where we're forced to basically evolve as human beings because of the way we're currently living our lives? You know, each generation becomes a bit more well adapted to these sudden changes of speed. Maybe the I don't know, muscle fibers are a bit stronger or they're a bit weaker or whatever. Mm-hmm. And eventually, in because of our advancement in technology, we actually force an evolution on human beings, which then will mutate into something that we you know, how we look at Homo erectus or Neanderthal, we'll look at Homo sapiens one day and say, oh, look at how primitive they were. They couldn't even go a trillion miles per hour without imploding. But the thing is, why Why would we want to? I mean, if we have that technology, surely we'd be able to just simulate the environment or like to, to the T. Oh, as in like put on like a VR headset and be on Pluto. Yeah, well, better than that. Like something that's instant. Like you walk into a room and it just takes you to that place. Uh, like okay. visually and, and even tasting without actually, without actually going there. That. What's the difference? Why are we so obsessed with actually being in that position? Uh, I, don't I, know. I, I would know. argue that we're, we're equally obsessed with creating a simulated version of that as well. That's what VR even is. We're constantly mm. looking to not be... Basically, we want to be anywhere but Earth as human beings. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like much. we just don't want to be here. Like um, We're constantly coming up with you know fake fictional things that we, we kind of create in simulated worlds, but I don't know. This was actually quite an interesting conversation. I'm quite interested in how this fusion reactor thing develops. Yeah. I'm actually quite interested in how, you know, the energy production as a whole just develops. Because as you said, um, as we've alluded to, that is the cap currently on all these theoretical plans that we make. It's how do we actually generate the power to make this theoretical thing work? So it's, it's very interesting. I'm actually glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, maybe we can, I think we're coming towards the end. We've got around 20 minutes. So, should we jump onto the movie uh, part? Yeah, sure. So this is the VRP uh, movie club. And actually this week, it's not even a movie that we're going to discuss. It's a, I guess, a stand-up special, a co- comedy special. I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, an hour comedy special, I guess. Yeah, and it's uh, it's by Bo Burnham. It's called Inside and it's on Netflix. So um, I suggested this last week to Steve. So Steve, have you watched it? Yeah, I've watched it. Um, what's, yeah, your, I'll give... what's your initial thoughts? Right. So initially, I kind of had this feeling where the comedy style was playing on people's um, wanting to sound, <laughs> wanting to understand. Is that what yeah, pretentious. Yeah, it seemed yeah. very pretentious. You know, he's using big words and he's playing on the big word thing. To, and I felt like, you know, the the audience he was aiming for were the ones that wanted reassurance or you know oh look i'm better than you because i understood that joke ha ha yeah yeah <laughs> but um you know as i went along there were a few i guess the the show is split into like separate skits and yeah. uh, one of my favorite skits was uh the instagram uh, a white girl's instagram which was yeah, white woman's instagram hilarious. which was yeah yeah <laughs> i mean like he, he, he nailed it to be honest like <laughs> there's a pumping pumpkin spice um 
you know all, all kinds of things you know the posing in the in the field and whatnot so yeah, it actually became a slight tiktok trend where white women were actually showing their instagram pictures and then the ones that he had put into you know his his stand-up and it was actually quite accurate in terms of that is what people post mm. um so I, I so you found it pretentious i i think the tone was pretentious it, once i got over that and i just watched it i liked it but mm. i understand that the people that love him love him because of the way he presents the joke and <sighs> he wants him. people to I feel like they're better I, I love him, and I guess now you're calling me pretentious. So oh, speak, yeah, you, but... you is confirmed. There's, there's oh, no. Okay, argument. I'm pretentious. Yeah, right, I see how it is. Um, okay, yeah. So should we just go through a little bit uh, about? Let me give some background about who Bo Burnham is. Right. So Bo Burnham started off as a a YouTube kid, really. If you really think about it deep down, he he made some videos where he was singing, um, and he wanted to share it with family members. I believe this is what I've read. I'm not sure if it's true. It could just be internet law, but apparently he put them onto YouTube back when YouTube was like not even a thing yet. And obviously people, anyone can search it up, right? So he, he just, his songs just blew up, right? And people really liked it. And so he, since like 16, he's been doing a kind of musical comedy form. Um, and he kind of plays on the issues of mental health a lot and stuff like that. And his comedy is kind of matured as the years have gone by, but the general theme is always relatively the same. He talks about how people feel, you know, emotionally and stuff and how they're getting detached from society xyz uh most of his like you know specials have been actual stand-up shows that he's recorded you know where he sings and dances and so on this one however because of the pandemic he's in a singular room i don't know if it's like a set that they built for him netflix or if this is actually his house i'm not sure but it's all set inside this one room and it's just him so he was the only person that he recorded it he you know he wrote it he performed it by himself, made this special and posted it onto Netflix. Mm. Uh, so that's the kind of general background real quick. I, I like that. I, f- I think that was super creative. That was one thing that you can't take away from him is that he well, managed to film. He's talented, man. He's that is talent. talent. That is truly creative talent. Like, he managed to do all that in one room and each skit kind of flew, uh, flowed into each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, like it's the like they, were, they weren't connected, the but they were connected. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like yeah. you could see uh, how it was progressing. And there was a point where he said he almost didn't want to finish it because if he finished it, then, you know, what, what is he doing? He's still stuck in this house. And um, actually, fun, you know, not fun fact. I was going to say fun fact, but yeah, at the end, a number flashes on the screen. Um, right. I believe that's the suicide helpline number. So, you know, his whole thing was kind of playing on being stuck in the house. You know, there were many moments in that where he was talking about how he was stuck in the house and like you know disassociating and stuff like that uh so i thought that was i don't know i like i didn't view this as a traditional stand-up i kind of viewed it as like a performance piece almost right right like Did you know you like, find it funny though like no, when this I say is funny, i'm saying i don't find it as a traditional stand-up yeah like, it's not funny, funny in that sense like yeah. i only i understood it was a joke but it wasn't a funny joke it was like he's trying to be clever if that makes yeah, sense. you know how I sometimes make a joke about something, but like you know, deep down inside, I'm I'm kind of hurt. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he kind of felt like that way. He was trying to make very valid points, but he was wrapping them up in a comedic melody. So, you know, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a comedy. But then when you actually think about it, you're like, oh, that's kind of sad. Actually, the, the point that he's trying to make. Um, yeah, but it, you don't laugh at any of it. I just exactly. I, I didn't really laugh. Like when I watched Dave Chappelle. You know what it was? You know, I laughed at it, but like this really, it, it was a, di- you're right, it's a different form of comedy. Yeah, it, this one was more, it was entertainment more so than ha ha, I've laughed comedy, if that makes sense. Like it was more of a, kind of made me think, 
I kind of vibed to the songs. The songs were nice. Uh, some of the songs made me sad. And, you know, overall, it was an experience more so than, oh, this is, you know, a guy talking about, oh, my girlfriend did this yesterday. And would you, can you believe this bitch? Do you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't something like that. It was more, it wasn't a traditional stand-up. And I think uh, quite a few, like, I've been listening to some podcasts and stuff that have been talking about it as well. And uh, I feel like with comedians. And some of them have been kind of, Shading it a little bit Saying oh this isn't Traditional stand up Like what is this This is something else But I I understand it as I don't think he meant It to be received As a stand up comedy Because mm. I went into it Thinking that he was going to Literally just be in a room By himself Just making You know telling his regular yeah, jokes But it was actually more It was a more cinematic Piece than that um, I agree yeah I think if you approach it As just uh, entertainment That's fine yeah. But um, initially I approached it As this is comedy and I was like, yeah, I get you made the joke, but none of it was funny. But then once I wrapped my head around, okay, this is, yeah. it, it's not comedy, actually. It's, it's a form of comedy, but it's something totally different. It's really yeah, good. It's like, and it's I, like I actually appreciate genre. it for it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like his own genre. All right. You know what? He, he released his songs that were in inside. He does this with all of his specials that comes out. He released them individual songs on uh, Spotify. And so I'm just going to have a read through some of them and then you tell me which ones you really like. So for me, I think my favorite one was um, uh, that funny feeling. Mm. Right. So he's, at the end, he's got like a guitar towards the end. He's got a guitar and then he says like stuff that kind of don't quite make sense and has a funny feet. Like he goes, oh, there's that yeah. funny feeling again. So he says, I'm like, um, what was it? It was, it was something around the lines of there's a gift shop at the uh, gun range and then there's a shooting at a mass shooting at a mall. And then he follows that up with, oh, there it is again, that funny feeling. Mm -hmm, like, you mm -hmm. know, something's off with your surroundings and you know it. And that's how I interpreted it. Like, as in, mm -hmm, he's, mm -hmm. he's trying to play on the fact that there's stuff that you know is wrong. Yeah. And you have it, the feeling deep down inside in your gut, but you don't really address it sort of thing. And then I really liked Welcome to the Internet. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, I so he's one. actually been quite vocal about, he, he's kind of on the stance of, especially if you're a child, you're, you're, going onto the internet should be very much modulated because he talks about like in separate interviews with, about, for example, Snapchat. And he says, you're giving Snapchat to children where you can send people pictures and they disappear after 24 hours. Something is wrong there. So he's been very vocal about not, you know, about his mm, distaste for social good. media in particular. Yeah. And so welcome to the internet was kind of about that where he was talking about, you were only two years old when we gave you an iPad, the whole world in your hands, you know, we gave it to you to, you know, and it's doing its intended purpose, which is to kind of emotionally and mentally break you down as a young person and so on. Like, this is what I mean. This doesn't sound like a comedy right now, does it? But it, he packaged it as a comedy, but it was, in my opinion, it was a lot, you know, he was trying to make a few points there. But I liked Welcome to the Internet. I liked uh, that funny feeling. Uh, and I liked looking Jeffrey inside Bezos. again. Bro, Jeff, that has been stuck in my head <laughs> for like four weeks now. Since it I watched catchy, it, I keep yeah. singing it. Uh, so he had Bezos 1 and Bezos 2 I think Bezos 2 was the one where he just Was just singing uh, Jeffrey Bezos Like over and over again And then there was another one where he was like uh, You know Gates and Bucket can suck it You know oh, yeah, yeah. Through their blood and it's Yeah just, that was messed it's crazy. up yeah. um, But I think again he's kind of like Taking the piss out of Jeffrey Bezos Kind of egomania Mania sort of uh, personality or whatever But those were my kind of favorites i've i've liked them on on spotify so i listen to them every now and then mm -hmm. but obviously i understand that you you were you enjoyed the white woman's instagram part but was there any other songs that you particularly liked um i'd say uh, you what was the second one you mentioned um 
not not that funny feeling, but welcome to the internet. Yeah, I like yeah. that one as well. Yeah, that was really good. But um, like all eyes on me as well, where it says you're telling me the world's blowing up, like I give a shit or something like that. Like it, it, you, it, that one was a pretty nice one. Like personally, mm. me personally, I feel like I've spoken so much about this right now because I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you. I can tell you, you enjoyed it. All right, let's get down to the ratings and let's yeah, find out ratings, the yeah, meat right. of it, bro. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm gonna give this five stars. Five stars. All right. This was Go, my favorite okay. stand, like kind of comedy special that I've watched in years, and I mm. think you have to be a bit. Not okay in the head, I guess, to like, to like it because I really enjoyed it. But I don't know, you're a bit more stable than I am. So what was right? It? Five stars. I don't know about that, Aaron. I think we need to have a chat later on. But yeah, I think it was it was creative, um, but it wasn't really what I expect from comedy. Um, so I'm gonna have to give it a good rating. So around three stars. I think I'll give it three stars. No way. We're gonna give this. This we're gonna give this four stars. Yes, we have to you're, cancel you're out the dark me. side of Aaron. You're I'm sorry. killing me right now. No way. You thought it was three stars. What? So you? I thought, thought it was three um, stars. You thought Suspiria was better than this? A hundred percent. Yeah, I think Suspiria really? was better than this. Yeah, yeah. No way. All right. Okay. I guess this is four stars as well. Then. Um, I think four stars is a good rating. I mean, so far we haven't got a five star, so it's it's really tough to get up there. Um, but for me, this was a five star, man. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. Um. But you know what? I can respect. I can respect that this isn't for everyone. Mm. I will say that. I will say that. I don't think. I think if you've maybe followed his career previously and you're into musical comedy, I really like musical comedy. Uh, for one, uh, there's like another group called the Concords or something like that. I saw like yeah. one of their specials yeah. on. on they're the, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, they're really funny, right? So yeah. like, I like that kind of co- uh, musical comedy stuff. Um, so for me, I, I particularly enjoy. It. That's why I gave it five stars. But I can understand why. You know, you it's, might not. You it's might definitely not good, though. It's definitely worth the watch. Um, yeah, whether it's five star, I don't think so, but definitely above average. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's, it's it's kind of niche, but it's regardless of who you are, I think you can watch it and enjoy it. So uh, four stars, I think, is fair. I'll give it four. We'll give it four stars on average. And this week, my movie suggestion is Dolomite is my name. Uh, you can find this on Netflix. Very good film. I don't want to say too much, but yep, go look at that. So, Stephen, mm. are we are we done with the episode right now? Or well, I, th- I think we're going to hop on to the bonus app. So, um, guys, thank you for listening. And you know, you know where you can catch us after this. If you'd like to sign up, it's easy. I'll go to our Patreon and sign up, and all the money this year, like we said, goes to charity. Um, and we'll probably announce that at the end of the year what the total is, and hopefully we can do a bit of good in this world, uh, unlike Jeffrey Bezos. So. Um, join us there and we look forward to hearing back from you guys <laughs> see you guys uh, Steve why didn't you say who said having fun and being serious can't go hand in hand you- that was bloody brilliant